This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Vancouver's Money Pit. A new report shows billions of dollars flowing into the downtown east side with little accountability. Vancouver's new mayor sworn in. Mayor Lex Sim, would you please come forward to take the oath of office? Voters hoping Ken Sim can tackle the city's toughest problems. And health ministers pressure the prime minister for more money. The number of seniors over 75 is going to double in the next 10 years. What the province says it needs to improve a system in crisis. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with an exclusive. Global News has obtained a summary of a confidential report commissioned by the VPD on the stunning cost of social services in Vancouver. The report states $5 billion is being spent every year, even as the twin crises of homelessness and drug addiction are getting worse. Romina Dea has the details. What is the cost of crisis? Living in a shelter in Vancouver's downtown east side, 50-year-old Blake Letcher is surviving. But for how long? I'll probably die. I'll probably die. Fentanyl is eating inside me out. Global News has obtained a summary of a report which pegs the price tag of Vancouver's social safety net at $5 billion a year, $14 million a day. What is shocking and should be shocking for the public is the fact that $100 million a week is being spent to get worsening results. Despite a seismic amount of taxpayer money spent on homelessness, the overdose crisis and severe mental health issues, life does not appear to be improving for the vulnerable. More accountability and transparency is needed. According to HelpSeeker, the Alberta-based tech company commissioned by Vancouver police to conduct the audit. Key findings, overdose deaths are up year over year. More than 10,000 dead and counting since the crisis was declared in 2016. The report says all three levels of government spent more than a quarter of a billion dollars on 12 properties in 2020-2021. The lion's share of cash coming from the province. The estimated cost for operating each unit of social housing, more than $3,000 a month. Many of the tiny rooms in deplorable condition. Mice, cockroaches, no heat, shared bathrooms. David E.B. has spent over a quarter of a billion dollars buying hotels and motels, overpaying them, and then warehousing people with severe mental health and, and addiction issues into these hotels and creating chaos in the streets and the neighborhoods surrounding these areas. 
Helpseekers data also reveals Vancouver's three largest social housing operators, Atira Portland Hotel Society and Rain City, spent almost $158 million in 2021, more than half of the money covering wages and employee benefits. They've made some mistakes in the math. Janice Abbott, the CEO of Atira, says it appears the report was done secretly, and Atira would have opened its books if asked. We do report out on um, individual staff positions, and we do report out on um, where every dollar is going, every maintenance budget. We provide copies of our invoices. So there are detailed audits going on every year that are beyond just our financials. Atira, the only nonprofit of the three to respond, but one question was off limits. Abbott's salary. You're being funded by taxpayer dollars, so I think it is a fair question. No, it is a fair question. Vancouver police not commenting on specific details at this time. BC's incoming new premier, David Eby, the former AG and housing minister, not available for an interview, despite our request for comment since last week. Romina Dea, Global News. Vancouver's new mayor, Ken Sim, campaigned on a platform to hire more mental health nurses and police officers to take on the chaos and despair of the downtown east side. He and several others were sworn in around the province today. And Kamal Kuramali has more on Sim's historic inauguration and why the ABC majority on council and park board has critics concerned. Ken Sim. Now officially Vancouver's the celebrations at the Orpheum Monday. A homage to Sim's Chinese background, becoming the first person of color to sit in the mayor's chair. Much of Sim's inauguration speech focused on collaboration. I'm going to strive to be the mayor that unites our city. His ABC party out of 10 councillors. I think one of the reasons why ABC got such a convincing uh, turnout and majority on council is that people were frustrated by the division uh, on the last council and the inability to get things done. Now we're risking the other side of the spectrum that, that uh, one party will push everything through. Sim though promising to welcome dissenting ideas. I don't care what party anyone ran for. We are 11 people in this chamber with diverse lived experiences. I have uh, particularly appreciated the sentiment that we're all working together. But others not so confident. A protest Sunday to oppose a Ken Sim promise to replace a Stanley Park bike lane with a lane for vehicles and another rally to demand more low-income housing. We're not exactly optimistic that this council is going to bring that. Sim's party has promised to speed up the permitting process and double the number of co-ops in the city. But critics question how he plans to accomplish that when he's already promised to spend money hiring 100 more police officers and 100 mental health nurses. We need a lot of help from the provincial and federal governments um, because if Vancouver tries to solve this challenge on our own, we will not be able to do it. And so you don't get that, then what do you prioritize? Well, we plan to get it. ABC also dominated the slate on the park and school board. Plenty of cause for celebration for now. Only time will tell how long that will last. Kamal Karamali, Global News.
A Kelowna RCMP officer involved in a disturbing wellness check back in 2020 has pleaded guilty to assault. Constable Lacey Brown made the admission in court today, which was supposed to be the first day of her trial for the incident. In January of 2020, surveillance video showed a handcuffed woman, later identified as Mona Wang, being dragged face down on a carpeted hallway by Browning before Browning stepped on Wang's head. Sentencing is expected to take place sometime in 2023. Uh, well, I'm really glad that she's taking accountability for the harm that she's caused me. Um, but unfortunately, abuses like this happens all the time. And I was just privileged enough to have my voice be heard and find my justice. Um, a lot of uh, individuals, especially those who are unhoused, will never be able to find the justice that they deserve. Tearful testimony from a Vancouver police officer who was stabbed multiple times outside a Canadian tire store at the coroner's inquest into the death of the man who attacked him. Grace Key reports. Constable Justin Fraser was visibly nervous and emotional, taking deep breaths in between his testimony as he had to relive what happened to him back on November 2016. He and his partner were the initial officers on scene. Constable Fraser stepped in as a barrier between the customers in the parking lot and suspect Daniel Rentoul. He saw Rentoul with a hostage approach the exit when Rentoul released bear spray. Fraser heard his partner deploy a taser and saw Rentoul fall to the ground. Fraser said it was a struggle to take Rentoul into custody he was 5'10 and 430 pounds. At some point, Constable Fraser realized he had been stabbed. He called out, knife, knife, knife. After being stabbed, I stepped back, fell over my back. I felt the suspect move with me, and that's when I felt the knife in my abdomen. I stood up and drew my firearm and somehow managed to see the suspect starting to get up off the ground. As he was hopping up, I fired three rounds. Constable Fraser said he was stabbed. He didn't know his partner's condition. Someone was injured in the store. There were people in the parking lot, so he made the decision to fire his weapon. He radio in, shots fired, I've been stabbed. He was able to holster his gun. He heard Rintoul shout at police to kill him. Other officers arrived, asked Fraser if he could be moved. He said no, but when they heard additional shots, they dragged him to safety. Constable Fraser was stabbed in the stomach, shoulder, and face. He continues to struggle with psychological effects, including PTSD, memory loss, and sleep issues. When talking about his family, he wept, saying my family has paid a huge price for this. Regarding his young children, they lost the dad that I was. It's so not fair to them. The Independent Investigations Office, BC's police watchdog, found the actions of the officers were reasonable. The jury is now deliberating. This is not fault finding, but they can come back with recommendations on how to prevent similar deaths in the future. In Burnaby, Grace Key, Global News. Police are asking for the public's help after an elderly man was bear sprayed in New Westminster. It happened November 5th near, uh, near 8th Street and Queens Avenue. New Westminster police say it appears to be a random assault. They are canvassing the area for CCTV footage and are asking anyone who witnessed the attack to call police. Investigators say the unidentified suspect is a man in his 40s who walks with a noticeable hunch. Health ministers from across the country are gathering in Vancouver this week at a critical time for Canada's ailing health care system. The meeting is the first in-person gathering since 2018 for the group. And as Richard Zussman reports, increasing health care funding from the federal government is at the top of the agenda. Paging Dr. Purcell. 
With the battle on to get more health care dollars, provincial governments across the country are spending some money to get the message across. A national campaign to get public support for a push to get Ottawa to fork over more health care cash. On Monday, health ministers sending the message directly to their federal counterpart. The Canada Health Transfer is the most efficient mechanism for federal funding support because it ensures that provinces and territories have the means to address their diverse system needs and priorities. The health ministers are gathering in Vancouver from across the country Monday and Tuesday, meeting first together, then with the federal minister. Right now, Ottawa covers about 22% of what's spent on health care, and the provinces are asking for that to go up to 35%. It would also mean as little as $28 billion in extra cash from Ottawa. Believe me, if they deliver on the Canada Health Transfer in response to our request, I will be giving them credit. We will be giving them credit. We're not that interested in credit. We're interested in delivering services for people. Ottawa seems ready to listen, but there are conditions, including provinces using common health indicators and building a health data system. There's no point just putting more money into a broken system. We need to improve the results delivered for Canadians. Ottawa is also willing to sign individual deals with provinces, something that could drive a wedge between ministers and premiers that are all working on similar issues. If Ottawa does hand over the money, there's already a clear checklist. Being able to fund new health care positions and fund training programs, financially support additional long-term care beds, and pay for age-related cancer diagnosis and treatments. We also need the federal government to say, we see the commitments you're making, now we want to assist in the ongoing costs. Provinces and territories are doing their part. For now, provinces hoping this ad and this conference will add up to resources the sick system needs to recover. Richard Zussman, Global News, Vancouver. It's a big ask, but there's a big need. We bring in Keith Baldry now for a closer look at our healthcare staffing shortage and the challenge to fill it. Keith, we're going to need a lot of people to enter the system over the next 10 years. And I don't think people realize the magnitude of this challenge. We're not talking about a few hundred people here, folks. We're talking about tens of thousands of, of frontline healthcare workers in a variety of professions, 21 different professions. I'm just going to list a few of them. 70,000 more workers are needed over the next 10 years. Here's how they break down. More than 20,000 nurses are needed, 4,500 licensed practical nurses, 3,270 family physicians, 3,000 specialist doctors, more than almost 1,900 physiotherapists. That's just a drop in the bucket. I, I, don't have enough room on this graphic to list all the challenges in all the professions. But again, 70,000 plus healthcare workers. And that's just for BC alone. Health Minister Adrian Nix making the point today, all the provinces are working together on this particular issue. Human resources are a critical issue facing healthcare going forward. So we are working together as one. That's a commitment we have together as health ministers to support one another in addressing the health human resources issues of the future. And we negotiate collectively with workers across our jurisdictions. But we are very committed to supporting one another in both recruiting more members, uh, more workers, bringing more people in who are in, in improving pathways for internationally educated workers, which is also critical, training more people here, and having workplaces where we retain workers better. 
So as I reported a couple nights ago, uh, BC's added six, more than 600 new uh, student positions in teaching in BC. It brings it to about 2,600. But as many as we're graduating in the year, there's many people retiring and leaving because of burnout, particularly in the nursing profession. That's one union that's yet to renegotiate its uh, next contract. In any event, the health minister's uh, conference ends tomorrow afternoon with a closing news conference with all the, uh, the health ministers and federal health minister Jean-Yves Duclos. It'll be interesting to see whether Mr. Duclos offers a meeting with the prime minister. Can't wait to see it. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. Now, some troubling news for parents in B.C. There's a perfect storm of health care issues affecting children, including a spike in respiratory illnesses, along with a shortage of cold and flu medications. Jasmine Bala now on what parents can do to get to get help. Yeah, this is liquid gold. <laughs> this tiny bottle of Tylenol. The saving grace for this Victoria mother when her 18-month-old son was sick. When his fever was um, really high, over 100, he's lying on the floor, lethargic, um, really in agony. But coming by this liquid gold, no easy task. And I went to three different pharmacies in Steveston. Um, that was after looking at six places here on the island. From grocery stores to pharmacies, the shelves are empty. No Tylenol, no Advil. Um, yeah. Nothing. A nationwide shortage of children's pain medication is to blame. It began in the summer and shows no sign of letting up months later. All this while concerns of a so-called triple-demic emerge. Right now there is increased RSV activity, which is respiratory syncytial virus. Obviously COVID is still circulating and we have started seeing evidence that influenza um, cases are um, high right now as well across the country. It's created the perfect storm. While the shelves are empty, the emergency departments are full as parents with sick kids unable to get medicine take them to the ER. This is an issue where uh, the federal government is taking spe uh, specific action and we're working with them to ensure that, uh, that we get access uh, to, the, uh, to uh, things such as children's Tylenol for people who need them. On Monday morning, a wait time of nearly six hours at the BC Children's Hospital just to be seen by a doctor and the discharge time about nine hours. The Children's Hospital ER is getting an average of about 150 visits a day. That's 15 more visits every single day than there were before April 2021. We absolutely need everyone who's eligible to get vaccinated, to get vaccinated against both influenza and COVID-19, because those that will be critical in assisting us in dealing during this period. The long wait times and the lack of children's medicine, a tough pill for parents to swallow as we head further into the flu season. Jasmine Bala, Global News. Frustrated renters freezing in the cold. It's just excuses, right? It's just pushing excuse after excuse after excuse. The tenants in this building haven't had regular heat for more than a month. What their landlords say about it, coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. 
Book your stay today at LQ.com. Raising the bar on seniors fitness, the Canadian 72-year-old setting his sights on a new powerlifting world record. And troubling signs after another dead whale washes up in B.C. waters. Those stories still to come. Right now, though, with the cold weather now setting in, it is the worst possible timing for the boiler to break down in a South Granville building, leaving tenants shivering inside their own homes. As Krista Dow reports, it's already been more than a month, and their landlord still won't say how long it will take for a permanent fix. For the past several weeks, this has become a daily ritual for Joshua Chartrand, turning on the three space heaters one by one. It's chilly, it's uncomfortable. Chartrand's studio apartment is one of 10 units in this aging residential complex along West 12th Avenue. He says it's been at least six weeks without heat. Those are the new heaters. And while space heaters have been provided, no timeline on when the boiler will be fixed or replaced. We're getting to the winter now. It snowed in Vancouver yesterday. It's freezing cold. A tenant who didn't want to appear on camera tells us her space heater actually blew a fuse when she tried to plug it in. She's resigned to using the oven for heat and calls the situation unacceptable. She's wearing gloves in the middle of the day in a toque. O'Quinn Realty, the company that owns the building, did not return our request for comment. It's actually illegal what you guys are doing. But in a phone conversation with Chartrand, the co-owner Arlene Chang apologized for the situation and says they're working on it. We have provided heat and we will provide you know, a different type of heat. I know that you're not happy at the building you can no i'm not leaving arlene the general rule is that repairs have to be made within a, a reasonable time frame one tenancy advisory group says tenants can apply for an expedited hearing the residential tenancy act does have a definition for emergency repairing system does fit into that category Chartron says he doesn't have the $100 to apply. He's asking the landlord to cover his $1,600 rent. So far, they're only offering 15% plus the cost of heating. I really do care about the building and care about you guys as, as residents. Um, so, you know, I... Yeah, I it's, it's just, it's hard when it's been over six weeks. Chartron says he'll continue speaking out, especially as that mercury continues to drop. Krista Dow, Global News. Doesn't get better because a blast of wintry weather is on the way for parts of the province. Snowfall warnings are in effect for Vancouver Island and mountain passes are already treacherous. As Kylie Stanton reports tonight, the first major snowstorm of the year will be trouble for travelers. The trucks are lined up and crews are ready to go. All they need here now is some snow. So we've been uh, brining the roads with a saltwater solution, uh, trying to prevent any kind of icing or snow turning into ice on the paved surfaces of all the highways. The preparation is expected to pay off, given what other parts of the province have been dealing with. Over the weekend, a snowfall warning was issued for BC's southern interior. 10 to 15 centimeters now blanketing the region in Kamloops, Kelowna and Vernon with more still to come. Haven't even got all the leaves raked up, so yeah. 
that's crazy. We're sitting several degrees below what we would normally expect to see right across most of British Columbia. So it's definitely colder than normal. It's a bit earlier than we tend to see these patterns. And that's caught some drivers by surprise. What do you think of the roads today? I don't like them <laughs> at all. They're awful. Definitely, it's icy out there. So seat belts, safe driving, slow down. City crews are trying to keep up, but admit it hasn't been easy. When you get this much snow all at once, we, we can't catch it as it falls. You know, it's uh, we're, we're doing what we can as fast as we can. Um, we're looking at probably Wednesday before we're fully cleaned up. Patience will be key here as the city digs out and back in Victoria, where they're getting ready to dig in. BC Transit warning it's expecting the snow to cause delays, detours, or possibly route cancellations, all while ridership tends to peak. Our drivers are trained and professional and they know how to uh, operate in these conditions. Our buses are prepared for these conditions and we're doing our best to make sure that you can get where you need to go safely uh, for the eventuality that snowfall is going to hit the region. The countdown is now on. The snow is expected to start falling here Monday evening. Kylie Stanton, Global News. All right, well, it is Monday evening. Meteorologist <laughs> Yvonne Shell joins us now with more on the snowfall and who should plan for more of it, Yvonne? Yeah, and it's falling, especially along the island. The area of concern is the eastern regions of the island. That's where we still have a snowfall warning. We're seeing that mixed precipitation for a few spots further to the south, but the areas of concern will be from Duncan to Nanaimo. We could see an additional five centimeters of snowfall. We'll be watching that. Areas along the Malahat will be included, included. and Metro Vancouver, most areas, it's higher elevations that could see some wet flurries in the mix. So there's that five centimeters with the snowfall warning along the island. We'll see those strong outflow winds to note how sound could see some of those winds still getting up to 90 kilometers per hour. Strongest winds along the north and central coast with gusts of up to 110 kilometers per hour. We're still seeing some snowfall along the mountain passes. I'll have those amounts and the timeline. A bit of a break is on the way. I'll have that coming up very shortly. So all right. Thanks for that, Yvonne. It's beginning to look a little too much like Christmas for this time of year, but straight ahead, it's not too soon to start thinking about holiday shopping. What an exclusive poll tells us about your spending plans and why there might be some bargains this year. Also tonight, why some say democracy itself is at stake as Americans head to the polls for midterm elections. Well, as Canadians struggle to pay for groceries and gas, they're also looking to rein in spending on gifts during the upcoming holiday season. That's right. According to Ipsos polling done exclusively for Global News, 3 in 10 Canadians plan to spend less on holiday gifts this year. 52% plan to spend about the same as last year. Nearly half of Canadians are concerned they might not have enough money to buy gifts, but that is unchanged from a year ago. Parents with kids at home are even more concerned, with 58% saying they may not have enough money for gifts. Well, if you are thinking about your holiday shopping already, retail experts are predicting some big savings as we head into Black Friday. Well, that's welcome news to many consumers who are watching every penny. So let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrea to find out what might be driving prices down, and Thanks, Chris. There's little doubt consumers will be watching their bottom line this holiday shopping season, but some retail experts say this year consumers can expect earlier deals thanks to retailers sitting on a lot of extra stock. As the holiday shopping season approaches, looking for ways to save is top of mind. I think everyone's feeling the pinch, like groceries are more expensive. Well, today I just went for a latte and a muffin. It was $10. 
That frustration not lost on retailers. We hear about consumers being um, a little nervous about the uh, you know interest rates and economic uncertainty. Retailers are as well. It's why shoppers will be in search of holiday bargains. A recent report from the Retail Council of Canada says six in ten Canadians will be looking for more deals, holiday sales and promotions. And consumers could be in luck. Unlike last year when supply chain issues caused many items to be in short supply or non-existent, retail analysts say this year could be a much different holiday shopping experience. They're also facing a consumer that they know is incredibly budget conscious this year. And so the game then becomes who is going to discount deeply first and how soon into the season. Redflagdeals.com, a Canadian bargain hunting website, says in its recent survey of over 1,500 respondents, 40% said they would spend more this year, while almost 60% said they would spend less. Much of that attributed to increasing retail prices, rising fuel costs and inflationary concerns. It may be why some retailers are already slashing prices, advertising discounts leading up to Black Friday. In fact, redflagdeals.com is predicting the volume of deals this season will be greater compared to years past. So there are some uh, categories that just have uh, some extra inventory. Apparel is one of them, shoes in particular. Uh, so it is a really good time to get a deal on a winter coat, a pair of boots, a pair of shoes. And when it comes to Black Friday, those in the know are expecting a robust day. We're expecting... Um, it to be sort of a buyer's market because uh, the retailers really are looking to entice people into shopping, entice people into store, um, which they weren't necessarily doing to the same extent uh, the last two years. And we are also told in the lead up to Black Friday, there could be savings around items like toys, smart home devices, home and garden items and decor. And some retail analysts say consumers should really hesitate to pay full price for anything. Hunt around and make sure you are getting the best deal you can. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. And still to come on the news hour, American voters at a crossroads. Everyone's on different sides and super extreme. How tomorrow's midterm elections could swing the balance of power in the U.S. Also ahead, toxic drugs take another devastating monthly toll in B.C. U.S. lawmakers are into the final stretch of the midterm election campaign and Americans appear eager to cast a ballot with a record-breaking 40 million or more already having voted. The question still remains, however, which party will take control of Washington by Tuesday night? And what could that mean for the next two years of the Biden presidency? Global's Reggie Cicchini has more. With early voting ending Monday, it's clear the public is engaged. More voters have cast ballots ahead of Tuesday's election than in any other midterm, and for a broad number of reasons. With the political polarization that we have in this country, everyone's on different sides and super extreme. The economy, women's reproductive rights and democracy are all driving factors and could be make or break for candidates in key swing states. We got to get it right because I'm going to tell you right now, if we don't get it right, we won't recognize this country. There is just so much at stake right now in this race right now. The looming question ahead of Tuesday, where will control of America's political landscape lie? 
This election isn't a referendum, it's a choice. Most polls predict Republicans will take some form of majority, likely in the House, giving the party broad powers. Investigations, investigations, investigations. Republicans have already signaled they intend to look into everything from COVID's origins to the Afghanistan withdrawal and President Joe Biden's son, Hunter. Investigations that would take away from legislating. Any Biden legislation would have to go through the House and the Senate, and any loss of either one of those chambers means a completely stalled agenda. However, experts argue if Republicans get carried away with investigations, it could backfire, especially if that gets in the way of popular legislative items, which could send voters in the other direction by 2024. It's still unclear just what kind of impact that record early voting will have, but Democratic strategists say Republican voters could stay home because they believe Donald Trump's lies that the election system is rigged. As for the polls, pollsters say response rates in 2022 have been low, making it harder to capture the mood of voters. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. Another dead humpback whale has been discovered off the B.C. coast. B.C.'s Marine Education and Research Society posted the photo to Facebook. Researchers from the society say the juvenile whale moved with the tide up and down Masset Inlet near Haida Gwaii on Saturday. A federal marine mammal response team will travel to Haida Gwaii tomorrow. Fisheries and Oceans Canada researchers will perform a necropsy to determine a cause of death. It's so important to realize that we can't know if this is an increase or a decrease. Most often dead whales sink, and with the two that actually have floated ashore, there are these really big opportunities to learn, to realize that dead whales do most often sink, that these offer value, valuable opportunities to learn about who the whale is, what the threat was. Discovery comes less than two weeks after a bloated, dead humpback whale was found off Malcolm Island near Port McNeil. Drug overdose deaths are once again on the rise in B.C. 171 British Columbians died of toxic drugs in September of this year. That's an 8% increase in fatalities compared to September of last year. The report shows a trend of rising death rates among people aged 19 to 39 and people aged 60 and older. B.C.'s chief coroner said in a statement, almost six people die each day from the toxic drug supply in B.C. Still ahead, an athlete getting stronger with age. The senior with his sights set on a new world record coming up. And coming up in sports, the BC Lions punch their ticket to the Western Final. What's in store when they get to Winterpeg? <laughs> if you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Feels like winter pay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we take shots, but we love Winnipeg. We do. <laughs> Yvonne. Yeah, it's it's cold Arctic air. Thank you so much. Good evening, everyone. We're seeing the potential for some localized snow popping up, especially from Duncan to Nanaimo across the island. So a heads up, an additional five centimeters. Most areas across Metro Vancouver, we've got cloud cover. It's higher elevations that could see that accumulating snowfall. So the plan as we get in towards the morning hours, still some wet flurries. It'll be chilly overnight. We'll dip down to two, but more of a clearing is on the way. We're back into some sunshine through the day. Highs up to six degrees. The average for this time of the year sits at 10. So there's that snowfall warning across the island for the eastern regions we've got the strong outflow winds once again for Howe Sound and some of the strongest winds will be along the north and central coast continuing all the way in towards Wednesday. If you're tra traveling along the mountain passes do check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. We've had a significant amount of snow. We're still seeing anywhere between two potentially up to four centimeters for most of the mountain passes and if you're making plans to travel tomorrow we'll start to see a bit of an improvement on the way. Flurries for most areas and then a nice clearing even along the Kootenai and Rogers Pass so there is a bit of a break if you're traveling. Now, the northern half of the province, that Arctic Arctic outflow winds rather will be very strong. We'll still see those wind chills into the minus 20s. Much of the southern interior, it's just that snowfall tonight should start to taper off through the day. Kamloops tomorrow still getting up to minus 4 and along the island. It's really the southern regions that could see that potential for some snowfall and then clearing out as we get in towards the afternoon. Our lower mainland area, we're also going to see a few flurries in the mix, potentially for eastern areas extending into the Fraser Valley. Chilly, it'll be as we get into the next few days. Our Wednesday, Thursday, we'll see plenty of sunshine in the mix. We'll bump up to five degrees. Tonight's weather window, a great shot showing us the winter wonderland. This one was captured in Port Alice. So thank you so much, Tara, for this great shot. Beautiful shot. The North Shore Mountains look just like that, too, this morning when the clouds finally cleared. Beautiful. Thanks, Yvonne. All right. Uh, Squire Barnes is here now with a look ahead to sports. Squire? Yes. It's quite a big crowd yesterday mm -hmm. for the BC Lions, and it helped BC, of course, and it hurt Calgary. Just like with the Seahawks, the Lions fans were so loud when the Stampeders had the ball. Really messed with the timing of an offense, and I thought that was really great to have um, that kind of, the fans to have that kind of impact on the game. And the good thing was they stayed quiet, of course, when Nathan Rourke was running the Lions offense, and it allowed him to help BC move on to Winnipeg for the Western Final this Sunday. Also tonight, older but stronger, the Canadian powerlifter ready to take on the world at the Senior Games. Raucous crowd at BC Place for the big game this weekend. And it was a crowd. Mm -hmm. A lot of Lions games that's looked more like a bus stop some nights. This was beautiful. Big crowd. Everything worked out perfectly for the BC Lions yesterday in the Western semifinal against Calgary, even though Nathan Rourke was not 100%. His foot was still good enough to stamp out Calgary and send the Lions to Winnipeg this Sunday for the Western Final, where the winner will get a trip to the Grey Cup. Now, there was a big crowd, as we said, watching the game at BC Place. Best atmosphere we've seen there in years. But it wasn't just Rourke 
that gave BC a 30-16 win. They had multiple good performances. Ripken on third and inches into the game to keep this drive alive. Makes the head off. Now he's going to be throwing down the field. Got him in. Inside the 20. Keon Hacker's gone. Man. Ooh, listen, the play call, the play call is a play that um we've been waiting to call all year. And when, when when we heard in the huddle, me, Rhymes, and Alex, bro, we just looked at each other like, oh my God, they called it, they called it. So we kind of knew what what was gonna happen, like, cause that that plays. Um, we've been saving it, we've been saving it for a while. So when he called it, you know, super excited, but you gotta execute. So that's what happened. We executed and got a touchdown out of it. We'll see what other big plays the Lions have up their sleeves for Sunday's Western Final against the Bombers because versus the Stampeders, the Lions delivered them on both sides of the ball. There was the fake handoff for a touchdown. Then there was the defense stuff in Calgary, not once, but twice on third and one. Lions are going to need more of this and then some if they plan on knocking off the two-time defending Grey Cup champions come the weekend. It off. Incomplete. They're a disciplined team, obviously. I mean, they don't, they don't make much mistake, and uh, I think Zach is their... Is the, is the main focus on the, for this team. So it's going to be uh, to do everything right, not overthink it, just be sound defensively. They're a good football team, so stop the run, put them in the passing down, and uh, hopefully try to limit the damage there. The Bombers are the one team Nathan Rourke hasn't beaten this season. Back in week five, Rourke tossed a pair of interceptions and was outdueled in the pocket by Zach Kolaros. Expect another showdown between the two best quarterbacks in the CFL as the Bombers try to three-peat as Grey Cup champions. They're the top team and, and they've won it the last two, uh, two seasons. And um, if we wanted to be a, a championship team, which we believe we are, we have to go through the best. And so what, what, what better chance, what better opportunity do we have than, than this week with the, the very good team? A lot of respect for the, everyone there, the, 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 the group of players that they have, the, the culture that they have, coaches, the organization. Um, you know, wouldn't want to do it any other way. If the Lions do win the Grey Cup, does Nathan Rourke look like he's old enough to drink champagne? Not sure. <laughs> Young-looking guy. Uh, the uh, Canucks start a five-game road trip tomorrow in Ottawa. They also have Montreal, Toronto, Boston, and Buffalo on this excursion. Brock Besser was at practice today, but it's still not clear if he'll be able to play tomorrow. But he was skating on a line where J.T. Miller was back at centre, even though he's a natural winger and has been scoring more on the wing lately. I mean, that's where he belongs. I mean, we need more balance. Um, and uh, he wanted to play back the middle I and mean, uh, initially he just wanted to get his game going and he wasn't thinking he was skating enough uh, well enough but now he thinks he's where he should be and uh, and he won't get back in the middle where I want him. Why we talk about when we have our three centers going or we're pretty deep at that position. Vancouver Whitecaps will start the CONCACAF Champions League tournament against Real España of Honduras. They'll play a home-and-home -home total goal series in March. 16 teams are in Champions League. You win a round, you go to the next round, and all the way to the final. And all the rounds, including the final, are a two-leg total goal series. But as good as it is making the Champions League, it is kind of a double-edged sword because this can disrupt and hurt your team in the regular season with all the extra games you get from being in the Champions League. Uh, Vancouver Whitecaps goalkeeper Thomas Asaw will be part of Canada's pre-World Cup training camp in Bahrain this week. It'll uh, mainly be for MLS players. Lucas Cavallini will be there as well. Asaw got the call after former Whitecap Max Crapo broke his leg in the MLS Cup final on the weekend. If Asaw performs well, maybe 
He'll get to go to the World Cup as one of the backup keepers. Canada will announce its World Cup team on November 13th. Well, the Seattle Seahawks are the talk of the NFL right now with their surprising 6-3 start to the season. They beat Arizona yesterday. But this week, they'll be the talk of Germany as well. The Seahawks are playing a game against Tampa Bay in Munich at Alliance Stadium, which is the home of Alfonso Davies and Bayern Munich normally. It's a business trip for both teams, but they're also there to sell the game of American football, although this one is a big-ticket item because Tom Brady's involved. The fact that, again, I'll throw this, this number around. Somebody said that there's been 3 million requests for, for tickets, which is a staggering number of, of requests, and, and I can't imagine it. But there's a, they're, they're excited about it. They're really pumped up about it. And so we're going to go try to put on a show and make them uh, see you know, our football and, and experience it in, in a way that uh, they never have before. So it's, it's, it's an honor to do that. And uh, you know, we'll respect the heck out of every, every aspect of this. And there you go. All right, thanks, Squire. Coming up, lean and clean. A 72-year-old going for gold at the Drug-Free Powerlifting Championship. Next. All right, Jordan Armstrong here now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie, big night in Surrey as the new mayor and council are sworn in. We'll have full coverage at 11. Plus, BC Ferries is already warning of more weather-related cancellations tomorrow, in particular from Horseshoe Bay to Departure Bay. Tonight's service on that route is already scrubbed. We'll be watching the weather, including snow in some areas and any problems it may bring tonight on Global News at 11. Sophie? Sounds good. Thanks, Jordan. Right now, a Southern Alberta super senior is preparing to compete in the World Drug-Free Powerlifting Championships. At 72 years old, Mike Marchinkowski is hoping for a record-setting lift when he steps on stage this weekend. Global's Eric Bay has more. Mike Marchinkowski continues to raise the bar inside the weight room. The 72-year-old lifts weight that would be difficult for many people half his age, benching 185 pounds and squatting 275. Marchinkowski picked up powerlifting in his 40s, competing in his first World Drug-Free Powerlifting Championship in 1998, where he won a world title. I've been doing sport all my life, you know, different things. Something, you know, outdoor sports. And at time it comes to winter, you know, I went back to gyms, you know, push, you know, weights, you know, and do, you know, keep up with my physique and, and with my health. Now, Marchinkowski is continuing to pursue his fitness goals. He's heading to England this week, competing in his first championship since 2019. Now, you know, I build up, you know, my muscle, you know, hopefully, you know, I'll be able to set my goal. Training includes a warm-up with foam rolling and lighter weights. That's followed by a variety of compound lifts like deadlifts and squats. All in an attempt to set a new World Drug-Free Powerlifting Federation record. Marchinkowski currently holds the unequipped deadlift world record in the men's 75kg 60-64 to 64 year old category. Set a decade ago at the age of 61, he hopes to break another deadlift record on Saturday, this one in the 70-74 to 74 age group. This record world 180 and half kilo, so I want to do one minimum half kilo more. To, to do world records. So see how it goes. Maybe I do two and a half kilo. never know. <laughs> Await Marchinkowski hopes he can deadlift to the top of his category and the WDFPF record books. Eric Bay, Global News.
Goal setting. See, I'm better at what he did at the end there, just lifting the bar. Yeah, that's but all. Don't I put do. those stupid weights on the side. <laughs> that's enough. Need, the bar is 45 pounds. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Quick word on the weather, Yvonne. Oh, we are still looking at a few wet flurries across Metro Vancouver. Higher elevations, clearing on the way. We've got some sunshine, but chilly in the coming days. All right. Thanks very much, Yvonne, and thank you for watching. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night, all.